Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I am so glad to welcome back to the podcast my husband, Mike Murphy, who is a former pastor of many years. Actually, he's done a variety of things. Um, he and I got into a big conversation last night, actually about his life and the spaces that he inhabited here, there, and everywhere um, in a variety of contexts. And hey, maybe we'll get into that just a little bit before I formally introduce him, though. I want to say a big thank you to those who have supported the podcast. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to say hello and welcome him because he might want to chime in on the support the podcast front. So, Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, maybe I can do it for you. Yeah, I maybe you can do it for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say thank you to those who support the podcast. Um Lately, I've been suggesting a, an annual gift of $30 because one of my other favorite podcasters does that. And it's kind of a uh, a nice ask. And um, you can you can do that via PayPal by using the email address producer at anitalustria.com. Uh, you can also um, give on Venmo by using anita-murphy-20. I finally looked that up because I'd had people asking me how to do it on Venmo. Yeah, so... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the reason you're asking, it's not because you're getting famously wealthy as a result of any of this. Oh, I thought, I just thought you told me I was. Part. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we you, you we have both decided a lot of the things we do. We're not doing yeah. it to make money. Right. But we do want to make we we'd want to make ends meet. Yeah. Somewhere at our expenses yeah. get taken care of. For sure. So, Absolutely. Right. If down the road we could make five hundred dollars a month off your podcast, that would be amazing. You'd be happy, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. We no, could, but we could it's, eat again. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice to be able to cover expenses. So that would that's definitely helpful for sure. So um, I am glad to invite Mike back to the podcast, if I can spit that out. Um, it's been a while since you've yeah. been on, and you and I just came back from such an interesting uh, afternoon at our church here in Sarasota, listening to the marvelous scholar and author Amy Jill Levine. And, and I've had Amy Jill here on the podcast before, so some of you may be familiar with her. Um, and I just highly recommend if if you happen to catch that she's going to be speaking ever in your area, don't run, don't walk, run. <laughs> it, she is so, right. so good and and thoughtful and provocative for the Christian, for the, the Jewish person. We, we here in Sarasota, we sort of um, put this together with a, a local uh, Jewish synagogue that we partner with on various, well, specifically Thanksgiving and in various ways, Temple Sinai and Church of the Palms uh, both partook in this speaker series. She was at the temple yesterday, last night, and at our church today. 
And so, so thoughts from you, Mike, I think thought she was tremendous and thought provoking. Yeah. I, you know, she said right from the beginning, uh, this is designated across the nation because of, uh, people worried about, um, fanatics, you know, anti-Semites attacking, uh, going on attack possibly today or over this weekend. Uh, for it designated as a day of hate you you didn't say what it was it's designated as a day of hate hate can you imagine it and i thought what she said was good here is she said here i am a jewish new testament scholar speaking in a christian church to a mixed group of christians and jews on this day of hate Mm. and i was so proud of our church Mm. And everyone was there. It was really a, a nice crowd that basically said, we're not going to allow hate to win. Yeah. We can't allow hate to win. And so people were there. Of course, there was some security at the church, mm-hmm. but nothing overbearing at all. Mm-hmm. But people showed up. And for her to make that distinction, this here we are learning together. Yeah. Listening and of to course- a Jewish doctor about jesus <laughs> and, and there was a big applause too uh, when she said that because huge, um huge I think applause. It, it was important to note that and i'm really glad that she said that yeah yes and i think the other thing is i i am proud of our church for putting together these these this speaker series uh we have we keep on getting just amazing speakers that come to us and it's a great ministry to the community because we're you know uh we're we're getting people that are really named people coming in and we're learning so much yes and so if if, if anybody is listening to this in their church or synagogue or whatever it is they go what can we do maybe start a speaker series yeah it's a community speaker series that's held yes. at our church and um some excellent names we we were very fortunate last month to hear the pulitzer prize winning author taylor branch who wrote about the right. king years and the civil rights movement and we've had michael right. gerson who's passed away um recently in the past a year or so and um tremendous speaker and jamar tisby brian mclaren uh, brian mclaren yeah boy yeah. I, I've forgotten so, even some, yeah, well, tremendous list of names. So there are things that churches can do that can just bring people from the community together uh, because they want to hear from these really good minds. Yes. And uh, in every one of these people we have, we have coming in our per our people of faith. Yes. But, but Amy, Jill, Jill Levine is really, really different in this. She's, she's a Jewish New Testament scholar. Uh, she was professor em- uh, emeritus at uh, uh, Vanderbilt University. Uh, res- you know, and then she came to the end of her tenure there. Now is at Hartford Seminary, but her career has been teaching, in many respects, you know, Christians who are preparing for ministry. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus, and yet she's a Jew. Yeah, it, a Jew, a, a non-believing non-believer yeah whatever does you communicated that i think well yeah um yeah what she said so when i had her on the podcast this is what she said 
I think Jesus is amazing, incredible. I just don't worship him. That that's that was what she said. Yes, y- yes, but I think I think he, Jesus has such a deep uh, part of her heart. Yeah, I, I, I'm really I convinced I of that. Absolutely believe you there. Yes, absolutely true. And yet she is true to who she is as uh, as a woman that that grew up uh, Jewish in a Catholic neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> The stories she told were amazing, tremendous, and yeah. What what did you? What are some of yeah. your thoughts? What did you um, take away today? Oh, Anita, there were there was so much. I mean, there was one kind of throwaway line when she said, basically said, if you're reading scripture, the Bible, uh, the same way you were reading it at six years old, and you're sixty six years old. Yes, she said six and sixty. Something's wrong. Something's wrong, something, wrong to you. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong with the Bible. It's not wrong with the Bible. But it, what and what was she was saying is, you haven't grown or matured, right? In all that time, mm-hmm. and I thought that was brilliant because I think I do know a whole lot of folks that read it the same way they did when they were kids, and that means they're not asking any questions of the text. And she was really adamant on the fact that that when you read the biblical text, you're going to come to places where you go, I don't know about this. And she said, you can resist that. You're allowed to resist it. And and, and because that's going to help form your faith, you got to ask questions of it. You have to argue with the text. You got to wrestle with the text. And uh I thought, yeah, that's true. I think I've done that. I think you do that, Anita. We just kind of wrestle with the text and just and just say, I don't even know what this means anymore. I think one of the things that she is saying uh, in her writing, and certainly today as we heard her speak, is that we have to encounter the text Um and I think this is true of all of life, but with curiosity, we have to come um, not the, the way I was raised was, you, you know, very plain reading uh, of scripture in the sense that no questions are asked. It's you just read it for knowledge, not for not to have a conversation with the text, not to argue with the, te- the text, not. And and I love what she brings and how she talks about experiencing the text and having the argument, having the conversation. Um, she, she did a great bit about parables that, that I thought was wonderful. And because she's done the scholarly work, I, I don't think anyone left today without learning something, uh, maybe even new. I, I don't know. You know, I thought she was amazing. Um, but it put in my mind and heart um, to really pay attention to the way I engage with scripture. And I appreciate it, especially because we're in the season of Lent. And so I'm, you know, doing things a little bit differently devotionally in the morning. And I feel like what I heard from her will probably um, reap some nice dividends as I read through some scripture um, leading up to and th- through Lent and leading up to uh, Holy Week and Easter Sunday. Yeah. 
And you know, do you think, you know, well, I'll just say this. From my experience, sometimes you get in the Bible study class at your church or something like this. And, and there's a passage of scripture and uh, you're thinking to yourself, when I used to lead Bible studies like that, I said, boy, this is going to generate a great discussion. But I was always so disappointed because everybody there believed the same thing. But yes. I don't think they really did. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Hey, there's listeners right now. They're saying, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. I want to raise my hand and say, well, no, this doesn't make sense to me. And they don't do it because somehow we have taught people. Uh, and, and we're talking, I think, a little bit of, well, the evangelical tradition, but even the liberal yeah. Protestant yeah, thing. Either. And, 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 uh, and, and Roman Catholics, too. There's a party line. Mm-hmm. And if you don't echo that you are really going to be in rough spots. So everybody, everybody does it. I will also say this. I think people come to a text and if they've been lifelong Christians, they might even not have questions to raise because they're bored because they've been taught one view and not to encounter scripture with curiosity. And so I think that's sometimes the case. And sometimes what you talked about is the case, afraid to raise questions. Yeah. I think it's either or, or both of those. I remember once being uh, in, in, a, in a church uh, back in Nevada when I lived there. There was this guest preacher. He's very Pentecostal, charismatic. Seemed like a really good, good guy, but he was talking about Joseph being thrown into the pit, you know, and then uh, and, and said, and you know what happened? You know what happened. You know what happened. An angel visited him there. A vet, an angel visited him there. And I was sitting there, and uh, I was kind of new to this. And I was looking at the passage, and I said out loud, "Doesn't say that." <laughs> there was no angel in that story. <laughs> Did you say it loud enough for him to hear? Yes, what I, did he I say? heard loud enough for a lot of people to hear. What did he well, say? There was this, nobody does that. But I was going, no, it's not there in the text. That's great. Well, I thought it was kind of funny, but but people, I don't think, did. And what's wrong with the faith where we can't, when somebody says something just a little bit absurd, and I can grant up the fact that, of course, if he was down there and he's a person of God, that God does the spirit of God does comfort us in those situations, but that's not what he was saying. Right. He was, he was, he was, talking about he was interjecting and, and something, the, something into the text that wasn't there. Well, you, this is what I would like. Oh, yeah. What if you felt that way on a Sunday morning and you felt like you could just kind of raise your hand and go, wait a minute, wait, can I ask you a question about that? <laughs> well, maybe we should sometimes because there's some, you know, I mean, there's good, there's good pre- preachers. Oh, good, yeah men and women preachers that are that just that just really take a good hard look they talk a little bit about their doubts their the questions that they but but there's a lot of folks that that just pound the bible and just say hey thus saith the lord well yeah no no or or thus saith me (laughs) let's say it's me because i think i am the lord yeah. <laughs> and that, well, so I hope he gets offended by that. But this is a preacher speaking because I, yeah. 
Well, and I just wanted to say, our, I've not ever been a part of this, partly because we, you and I often have spiritual direction clients on a Monday morning, but um, our church on Monday morning has a Zoom group that discusses the sermon with the pastor that happened to give the sermon on Sunday. And I, I love that. So we actually do have that opportunity to do that, to ask a question, to say, hmm, I'm not sure about that, or or that was great, or what, you know, I, I like that, just an opportunity to discuss it. Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's a really, really good thing to do because we need we need to take a look at the scripture yeah. um, as best we can. Uh, there's so much that Amy Jill Levine said, um, and she said that she made a point that Jesus even pushed back against the Father. Yeah. She said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he was having a discussion with the Father. But he didn't want to go through with this thing. And even on the, on the cross, uh, he, he, he wasn't too eager to go ahead with what he knew was going to happen next. And, uh, of course, but yet Jesus, you know, did follow the lead of the Father. But I think he demonstrated for us a willingness to use prayer to ask the Father tough questions. And I don't think God blinks when we ask tough questions. Yes, I agree. It, am I going to be in trouble for saying that, do you think? No, no, no. I've said it before on this podcast and I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> but Amy Jill, you know, that was one of the things that she talked about. We've talked about it too. God is big enough to handle anything that we uh, raise, any question. God is mystery. We don't always dwell do well with mystery. But that's a, a part of who God is. And um, yeah, no, I, I think I think it's important to to say that and and raise that. I, I was just while you were talking, I was um, looking up some of her books and I'll post two or three on the show notes. Um, but I think uh, a recent one of hers, um, The Difficult Words of Jesus. I'm trying to think if that's the book I talked to her about on the podcast. I think it might have been. Um, she's written Sermon on the Mount, uh, a beginner's guide to the kingdom of heaven. Um, she has entering the passion of Jesus, which is a beginner's guide to Holy Week, which is right where we are now. You could still, um, get that. Um, just, yeah, just go online and you can look up all kinds of books that she's written, witness at the cross, um, signs and wonders, Again, you know, New Testament yep. scholar that's pretty amazing and highly recommend. I'll post two or three of her books in the show notes. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, Anita. I, I heard at least one woman, maybe there were two, that came up to you after the talk because you 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 um you 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 teach a class mm -hmm. with Lori at one of our classes. one of our pastors, and she yeah. said we got, we got we got to use one of her books. Yeah, wouldn't, yeah that's what she was. Yeah. That's what she was talking about and asking about. And I thought, well, good idea. Could be really interesting. It really? But, but Anita, you've been, I mean, you, you were in the evangelical world for a long, long time. Oh yeah. Really now, most that, of my life. Would that, would that scare a lot of the evangelical churches you, you have gone to, you know, to have, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their assessment of Amy Jill would be. I mean, I think she's brilliant. Well, this is what I thought when I interviewed her, Mike. I thought, here's yeah. someone, when actually she started her talk by saying, let me tell you what my biases are. 
But what I was just going to say about her, when I finished the podcast that I did with her, I thought, you know what, this is a woman as a Christian, I felt like I could listen to because she wasn't trying to, um, I felt like she wasn't handing me any biases. I felt like this was just great scholarship about Jesus and the New Testament, where I felt like um, often when I was getting Christian scholars all across the board, evangelical or not, there were definite biases saying this is what to believe and how to believe. And I felt like I didn't at all get that with her. And I loved that. Yeah. You know, she said something, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm sure, you know, we look at scripture and it says, you shall not murder, right? And then she said, well, we think it's fine in our culture with Christian nationalism and everything else. Say, uh, you shall not murder, but I say lock and load. Yeah. And I thought, well, that was brave of you, but that's exactly right. Yeah. We say one, we one thing, but we prepare for another. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting. And, and, and I think that's a pet peeve of mine because I was, talking to somebody in our community pool and they said yeah i was just talking to somebody yesterday and said you know big person said i have i have seven or eight eight guns and so do other people in our community and i thought well that's scary yes (laughs) yes it is that's scary and i also don't get it but yeah well but they're bragging about it because they're ready for anything and what it says is even if we're christian people we're, we're ready to you know, load, load our guns and use them if we want to. And I thought, this doesn't make sense. I wanted to explore it further, but I was a little afraid. Not really. I did explore it as far as I could, but I could only get so far. Yeah. And to me, it's always amazing how much of our Christian identity is wrapped up with what's happening in the world around us. Yes. And uh, as you know, peeves is, you know, that I think Christian nationalism is not Christian at all. (laughs) Yes. Um, I would fall in that camp as well. I'll just say. I think you would too. Yeah. Well, and honestly, it reminds me, um, or what I'm not surprised that you brought up that specific story that Amy Jill shared, because uh, I know you well. We've been married almost 18 years, and you are known for... Seems longer than that. It's hilarious <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're known for your Friday rumblings that you write this column that is very much a combination of spiritual and political, I guess I would say, faith comments that are, or commentary, maybe that's a better way to put it, commentary on the world in which we live. How how would you describe the rumblings? Well, I, I, my rumblings are really, uh, in many respects, my journaling. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to make sense of the world. There you go. And how my faith intersects with that. There you go. That says it. And, and so, uh, and as you know, I spend a lot of time, too much time editing the things, but I, I quit, you know, because I, I don't want to be too raw with it. Mm-hmm. But I remember last week, our, 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 we um, I wrote something, and it was from a guy named Aaron Nequist, who you know. 
Yes. Just just a man, really of God, and his wife Shana is a, a, an author. She's been on the New York Times bestseller list. And Aaron, of course, really, is an author as well and an amazing worship leader. Uh, worship leader and whatnot. But I, I, I look for people like that to quote. And so he, in, in Florida, we're running across all kinds of, uh, I would say, really heavy-handed things, including what kind of books can kids read? Yeah, in schools. And, there, and there, I, I, this, this rumbling really spoke to me. I hope it speaks to others. And he wrote, I came upon a story that a Florida school board has removed a book about Puerto Rican baseball legend Roberto Clemente to see if it complies with the new state law limiting discussions about race. That kind of raises air in the back of my head with that. Yeah. The other books about Jackie Robinson, Jim Thorpe, Hank Aaron, et cetera, et cetera, were also removed. If you know anything about any of those people, they're all people of color. They're, none of the books were about white players. Uh, uh, and uh, those, in, uh, okay, uh, this was in response to our governor's culture war crackdown on anything he deems woke. And, and then Aaron said something that I thought was fascinating. Woke is often code for true, but inconvenient for the narrative I'm telling. I thought that was great. Yeah, and my response to that was being woke is considered to be an egregious and dangerous way of being, of being by the Florida governor who fashions himself to be a culture warrior without peer. Unfortunately, he's pushing a fear-based narrative and he knows anyone who is awakened is a threat to his finishing that story. There's no room for inconvenient truths, even though he knows full well that history doesn't treat book banners well. So he doubles down on his efforts. Then I ran across another set of tweets where it was uh, Congressman Lauren Bolberg who said, one thing you can be sure, I'll never go woke. And somebody responded to her and said, I'm sure of that. To be woke requires awareness and enlightened mind, exposure to different cultures and different types of people. It requires maturity to realize that not everyone looks like you or thinks like you, and that's okay. And my, my response to that was, I want to be woke. I want to be awakened. I am not afraid of that. But I am afraid of those who are unawakened, that are doing things in the name of God oftentimes to hurt people of color, to hurt people who are weird, uh, uh, the poor, to hurt people who are trying to figure out gender identity issues. I could go on and on. I think not to be woke is an unchristian position to somebody, for somebody to take, to deliberately choose not to be aware of what's going on in the world around them is a dangerous thing. And I think Jesus himself was a very woke person. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think we get caught up sometimes. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that that might be a contemporary phrase use of that word, but you've got to know what it means. The governor of our state knows exactly what it means, sadly, and is trying to 
keep people from moving in that direction. Yes. And, and, and I'm concerned about all this. This is all culture wars kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, as we're sitting at the church today, listening to uh, AJ, Amy <laughs> mm -hmm. Jill Levine, uh, a talk, and I know I can get uh, on my high horse about things. And I know there's just a lot of good people of faith out there. Um, I know that there's a lot of good uh, mainliners who love God, Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Evangelicals. I mean, people I want in my corner all day, every day. We might disagree on certain things, but they love God. They love others. They want to do what's best. Man, that that's the best. But there's a lot of folks, I think, out there that are saying, no, my definition of Christian does not include caring for the least of these, mm. does not include uh, caring about the refugee, does not include um, people of color. And I'm not on their side. I can't be on their side. I can love them, care for them, pray for them, but I can't trust them in the midst of what's going on in our world. So that's kind of the dilemma I think a lot of us have Mm -hmm. is we know people that if we just know that they are good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't want to label them with the, the, uh, the whole brush of things right you know i agree yeah, yeah. and uh, so we got to lift them up and many of your listeners are like that want to lift them up uh, because they might have theological differences with you or for me, but mm -hmm. they're living their faith out in a real way. Yes. But there's a lot of folks that are playing games with the faith yes, and saying that what they believe in and what Jesus believes in is hate. Yeah. No, I can't buy it for a yep. second. I agree. I'm with you hundred percent. Hey, um, I think a nice rumbling that I'd like to highlight maybe a good one to close with because um, I think it's relevant as uh, Jimmy Carter is on hospice now, you know, um, and it's number four, do not let the wise boast of their wisdom. Do not let the mighty boast of their might. Do not let the wealthy boast of their wealth. Let those who boast, boast in this, that they understand and know me that I am the Lord, I act with steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. And that's from Jeremiah, the prophet. Mm. And you go on to say, you know who has reflected steadfast love, justice, and righteousness? Jimmy Carter. He will soon go home to be with the God he has known and loved for a long, long time. He once wrote, we become not a melting pot, but a beautiful mosaic, different people, different beliefs, different yearnings, different hopes, different dreams. He understood that the God he knew and loved was the one responsible for all those differences and that the Lord expects us to embrace them, not rail against them. And this, honestly, that, that takes me back to... Amy Jill Levine, who at the end of her talk, I think it was even in a Q&A at the end, 
uh, talked about the fact that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. We have these differences. Uh, you may be someone who might hear that little rumbling about Jimmy Carter and go, oh, I just couldn't agree with this, this, or this, you know, can't that be said of, of anyone? We are not all on the same page. Um, that is also the beauty. That is also what makes the mosaic. But this was a, a good man who um, lived well and faithfully uh, to the end. Uh, I'll have you say, give me some of your thoughts on that. I think of all the presidents uh, that I've uh, lived under, and some of them I admire uh, more than others, but many of them claim to be people of faith. And I, I believe them. But Jimmy Carter lived it out in ways that nobody else has. There's no scandal in his life. Taught Sunday school in Plains, Georgia. Built houses for habitat. More importantly, he, I mean, he not only built houses, but he gave, he helped build that organization. Yeah, just that's really true. In it. Um, if you ask him if he loved Jesus, he would say, absolutely. But he never pointed a finger at somebody else. You know, he tried to find that uh, what they call the Imago Deo, the image of God in every person. So he was never trying to decide who was in or out. Yeah. He was just saying, this is somebody that God loves. Yeah. We miss that in this world right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, Lord, help us, help us to live more in the vein yeah. of Jimmy Carter, right? Yes. And his wife, Rosalind, too, mm -hmm. was her own force of nature and yeah. who also loves God. Mm -hmm. And uh, the beauty of Jimmy Carter, when he dies, it's going to be a matter of days, I think, uh, when he goes to heaven, he's, he's already been in heaven because of his relationship with Christ. Yeah. He goes, I, I know this place. And I think, I think heaven is going to say, and we know you. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of a hero. And I hope we don't forget that. Yeah. I hope we don't. Yeah. Thank, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah. I thought that would be a good, good way to close. I, I also wanted to say, some of you may be aware if you, you know, ha download the Faith Conversations podcast regularly, you probably know that on Wednesdays I release a Lexio Divina spiritual practice. And on Fridays, I read Mike's rumblings um, as an audio version um, as a Friday podcast. And so that's uh, available here on Faith Conversations as well. If uh, it feels uh, if it's easier for you to listen instead of read, um, uh, uh, otherwise I post the the printed version in the show notes of the rumblings. And of course you can always friend Mike on Facebook and I'll link to his yeah. Facebook page in the show notes as well um, of yes. today's podcast. Yeah. Thank you for the rumblings, but also the Lectio thing is something you do uh, for people at our church and uh, 
just always a, a small growing number of people that, that mm-hmm. are part of it. Yeah, I love and, Lexio so much. It, yeah. Glad to be able it's, to offer it, it here on, on Faith Conversations. It's a Benedictine thing. He was a good Protestant or a Benedictine. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Uh, well, Mike, thanks. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for having a little discussion about Amy yeah. Jill Levine and uh, and looking at a couple of your rumbles on this past from this past All week's right. rumblings. And uh, so thanks to you. I'll say goodbye to you. And, okay, uh, <laughs> and as always, I say to everyone else, keep the conversation going.